0: Afternoon all. Hope you can hear me all right. hope we're back. I've actually turned my soundboard on this morning so I don't do five minutes without any sound. That was a criticism from yesterday. Apologies. We managed to tidy that up and many thanks to Anna Maria who saved the day and and came on and told us a little bit about the Massage Matters podcast which is exciting news from yesterday. That's gone down a storm. Today we've got uh, some guests which I'm going to be introducing uh, very soon. Uh, We're going to be talking about all things education particularly clinical education placements. You can imagine the disruption. If you've, you may not, you might be in a situation where you've not really thought in that direction. Lots of people have had a lot of things on, but you can imagine the disruption that's occurred with regards to getting placements and clinical education. Generally, the delivery of it's been disrupted, but also then it's given an opportunity for some real innovations and entrepreneurship that can really occur in these moments. As we all know, it can be, uh, can really upturn the apple cart, but then also some real decent stuff can emerge from from this challenge. So, really delighted to be joined by Jane Ashbrook and Sophie Taylor today to talk a little bit about that. They're fairly local to me at MMU, coincidentally, but uh, I know of them from their work, um, not just locally, but also broadly wanting to bring this conversation forward. And there's lots of things that can be translated, no doubt. And as we've talked about before many times, not just on this show, but beyond, consistency is key here, Like the best ideas need to be translated where possible nationally so that we decrease, you know, we'd all be guilty of making postcode lotteries otherwise and, and, and being critical of those things is sensible and certainly central to what we want to do is get the, the best ideas need to win out and be translated where possible and so thanks to them for, for sharing. So without further ado let me try and bring them in, this is where technical glitches can sometimes occur but hopefully I will be joined <laughs> by Jane and Sophie, can you, can you both hear me? Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah loud and clear lovely <laughs> Hello. right
0: well jane let's get let's get you get stuck in first then because well you, we've known each other a while and worked together on various things namely mskr stuff but you, you've you've mentioned that this was something worth worth chatting about of course i was always going to agree with that very passionate about education but why would why, what was it that was at the heart of what's going on at the moment that made you feel it was worth us discussing publicly
1: Okay. well, I think predominantly really is the challenges of um, in March, all of our placement provision was stopped. So we had a lot of students out on placement or due to go out on placement. But then because of the things with COVID, um, a lot of those students then lost their placement. So obviously Health Education England brought in a portal whereby our third year placements could um, apply for band three jobs and count some of those hours towards clinical placement. Sophie will have to interrupt me if I start talking rubbish because she knows a little bit more about the details than me. But then we're faced with a situation coming into September where most of our students who were in second year last year so our new incoming third years have lost at least one whole clinical placement and um, some have lost more than one and some haven't well I think most of them have had had, had one so there's a lot of hours down and um, so we're kind of faced with a situation now where we've got to catch up on lost hours plus we're still trying to provide placements for the students that are due to go out onto placement so our third years that have had placements are still due to go out and second years due to go out so and obviously we're in a situation whereby there's a number of universities all around the northwest that are in the same situation so then it ends up with a lot of students that are significantly down on the hours um, that they would normally be at this point um and and really I think health education England and lots of the northwest kind of organizations and teams and stakeholders have worked so hard to come together to try and provide as many placements as possible and um, and and we're in an okay place like we're getting there so far aren't we we're, we're managing Absolutely. to catch up and people have yeah, been yeah. so supportive particularly particularly the nhs which historically is Absolutely where most of our phenomenal. placements are and um, have been really really supportive but obviously people have challenges in clinical practice you know maybe they're redeployed to a different area that's not their area of expertise and they don't feel confident to have students or thinking about risk assessments and you know students that might be a, a in a higher risk category, it might not be appropriate for them to go out onto placement and potentially come into contact with patients and staff. Um, And then it's the whole PPE thing. A lot of our students go out on placement in community services. So obviously a lot of the students don't have their own car. So then you've got to consider car sharing and PPE and going into patients' houses. There's just a big minefield of things that we're trying to navigate um, while having more students kind of come into the university. And try to progress the student's journey through
2: through the course. Can I just interject there, Jane? Um, Jane's obviously alluded to the fact that many, many placements stopped at the start of the pandemic, but some placements did keep going. And can I just thank all our colleagues, both on the NHS, in private practice, um, across the whole spectrum of placement providers, They have been absolutely incredible. They really have. The innovation, the commitment to our students has been absolutely phenomenal and we're so grateful for that and I know our students are as well. It's been a really tough time for for everybody in clinical practice uh, and and for our students and the tenacity and patience and willingness to be flexible and uh, innovate and uh, think laterally about this it has been incredible so I just think we're, we're very very grateful and want to say a big thank you to all our, our yeah. clinical colleagues for, for doing that for us our
0: students no that's brilliant i'm pleased to hear there's been uh it's been some some real help that's stepped up there i've been hearing stories such as that across the country oh. and, and beyond so that's great what's um i think we best start with some examples really as to what innovations we're talking about and what sort of lateral thinking that we want to be encouraging or, or getting people to think outside the box to use a cliche so what what, what sort of springs to mind when i suggest that Sophie's got a list. I'm going to
1: say I'll leave that one to you. So. Okay
0: then. Well, just just some examples.
2: Um, for example, well. Say, for example, patients, students who stayed with their colleagues in the NHS, it may well have been that those um, clinical colleagues were redeployed to areas that were different than their usual area of practice. And they kept the student with them. They had to adapt their practice. They were going into areas and situations and circumstances that they had never really encountered before. And they kept the student with them and the student went on the journey with them. They had to learn about donning and doffing, and infection control and different. Different ways of working, so I think that just showed a lot of uh, courage and bravery and um, willingness to, to take a, a, an, a balanced risk. Uh, but then we've had um, colleague from, um, I suppose I can name them from from Salford Royal, um, the director of therapies there, clinical director and consultant physiotherapist who. Um, Probably in her normal practice would not take students on on placement, but she offered placement so students could um, witness a, a leader, a senior manager working. They did projects. They worked alongside her. Uh, they they also spent some time in the virtual fracture clinic as well. So that was a real example of innovation. Um, we've we've yet to pilot this yet, but our professor of education within the university is going to offer a placement. Uh, for our students well, maybe some project-based working. Another example was, again, within the University of Manchester Movement Unit, uh, which is a clinic that is, is set up within the um, campus, uh, we had one of our students who lived Remotely from the uh, from Manchester, in the uh, a long way away in the northeast, who had for various circumstances been unable to take uh, complete their placement journey, and we attached them to the movement unit. And they um, offered. Um, he undertook a lot of projects, did work. He learned about the running of the clinic. He learned about the governance of running a private clinic, about managing a clinic. But also one of his pieces of work was
1: undertaking display screen assessments. And I'm gonna ask Jane to talk about that because she <laughs> had one, didn't yeah, you, yeah. with Ben? Yeah. yeah. So I think one of the things to highlight about that was I think I think Ben was instrumental. So he was the physio the, the student that went on placement. He was instrumental in designing what a student placement would look like. So if you don't necessarily know exactly how it will it will look like the student part of their role can be to help develop that as a placement going forward so because we'd all been working at the university and then we're all working at home Ben's idea was that he could he could look at do it like a display screen screen equipment or workstation assessment with all of the staff that had moved from the university to home Um, and it was absolutely brilliant like I had to take a picture of my workstation and where I work and he looked at it and then we had a teams meeting where he um, gave me loads of advice and he pointed me in loads of directions of like wellness support and things that the university offered that I wasn't um, previously aware of so I think the, the thing to highlight there was he was instrumental in the design of the placement so I think they had a few ideas but it wasn't a finished product when he kind of embarked on it. Um, and we've had some really successful um, remote placements, haven't we? We've had yep, quite a number of students place with Connect. Um, yeah. And then an- another really good example was a service at, um, I think it was Writington, where they'd gone from being um, a fully face-to-face service to being remote. Um, and they were struggling with, um, you know, the IT and getting their patients involved. So one of our students spent a lot of time with more elderly patients on calls with them, kind of supporting the the patients to navigate the IT infrastructure so that then they were kind of in place to, to have consultations with physiotherapists or with him as a physiotherapist. But he was kind of part integral part of their team, really, in setting up a new virtual service that previously didn't exist.
0: So as yeah. as as I hope you both know and I hope this doesn't get negated by my questioning my line of questioning that's going to come now is for me to just sort of automatically flag some of the things that I think are, are obvious risks that that come to mind for me but also what I've heard from others where these new innovations are completely appropriate for the time because they are by definition better than nothing however yeah. what I would say is that the instinct when people compare that to what would be classically defined as clinical education, they consider it to be a a distant second best and also that they would consider it to be a, a, a significant compromise from the actual act of doing. So for example, although only one of many great examples, the fact that a student might support the tech and the liaison with a patient, there's going to be some gains that come with that. But relative to them... Helping to take the, uh, to assess those same patients in a face to face MSK environment, for example, is very much because they're going to get what they did before plus plenty of other things and plenty of other interactions. Now, there's an argument, of course, that this is the brave new world we face and that, that realistically that is what many therapists are doing right now. But as we as we start to phase through, how much of the new normal should we retain and how much of the old normal should we try to claim, get back? Mm.
1: And I think that's a really good question that we've asked a lot Um but I think some of this stuff is here to stay. We're, I think we're going to be being more kind of offering more tech services in the future. And I think what we want to look at is giving our students a really well-rounded experience. Um, that you know that they will throughout their placement journey while they're at university get more of a balance so I think it wouldn't be good if a a student had purely leadership tech virtual placements and didn't do any face-to-face but out of the thousand hours of placement that they have we need to be much more innovative and creative and giving them opportunities because not all of our students will ever work in the NHS you know some people might go straight into setting up a business on their own or they might work for a private company or they might work in knocky health or they might do something different so we need to think outside the box I think and give them the skills to to be able to go off and and you know follow their dreams or whatever yeah I don't think it's
2: our intention that uh, it, absolutely not our intention that students would have all their placements in these um innovative and you know uh, zeitgeist ways you know we recognize that students abs- you know the, the the beating heart of physiotherapy is face to face with the, the patients isn 't it that 's what we all Entered the profession to to do, you know, to work with with our patients, and we recognise that is where students will will glean those those clinical skills and all of those professional and, and personal skills. But they, the whole landscape has changed, hasn't it, dramatically in the last six months, really? And our students need to be prepared to enter that brave new world. So we recognise that these types of placements have got a a role. We're not saying exclusively. What we try and think about with our students' placements is that they've had exposure to a wide range of placements so different types of placement settings different types of um, uh, patient uh, cohorts that they will they will work with different age groups different demographics different types of clinical presentations so we recognize absolutely we would maybe think that uh, possibly our, our students currently do five our undergrad students do five placements currently over their placement journey, Uh, a thousand hours. We maybe think maybe a fifth of those hours could possibly take place in one of these, um, what you might describe as a role emerging placement. Um, But the the skills and knowledge and experience the students glean from them have got so much transferable application to to other settings really. So, Yes, we recognise they've got the role, but we're certainly not about to dispense with our traditional face-to-face um, working as part of a team in a clinical setting type of placement at
0: all. That's a, what, what's the response been like from the students considering the, uh, the fact that they're in a situation where they're just wanting something? And how well do you think that that reaction is going to translate to the future whereby there might be a, a plethora of different options How how much are they going to be interested, do you think, in these role-emerging more innovative placements when the other things are back online?
2: I think be, they will be really interested in them. We actually trialed on some role emerging placements um, in the summer of 2019 before we'd even thought of COVID or heard of COVID. And uh, we ran those in the, the university. We, we paired up with two um, outside organisations. One was a community interest company um, that offered services for patients with quite severe dementia um, and mainly day service. And the other was um, with a housing trust that offered an extra care facility for residents over the age of 55, so supported living. And neither of those services had previously had a physiotherapist um, involved in those services. And we worked with those um, teams to develop placements for our students. And we offered them out in a competitive way to our third year elective students. So we asked them to um present a case as to why they should be considered for those placements, what did they think they were going to gain from those placements, what did they think that they could bring to those placements and we were absolutely um, deluged with, with interest because it was recognised it was an opportunity for them to shine, for them to use the skills and knowledge that they had but also to be able to challenge themselves and do something different and show that they could innovate and um, you know just take their practice to a, to a new level really. So so they were really popular, and and students fed back, and we took them to a conference, and they were really, really positive about those experiences. I don't think they felt that they had um, had an inferior experience at all. I think they recognised all the um, added value that they got from those placements.
0: Because I can I can think of, uh, and this is one of the challenges I think we face is that when when therapists uh, that have been qualified ten plus years now would not need to be that long but just generally speak people that have gone through a more traditional clinical education journey which does vary across different schools but they might well be considering and that that is the the norm right that's the standard of which they're considering and therefore any deviation from that would be somewhat compromised now persuading them in some circumstances that that's enhanced is is one thing but also it's different and then them respecting that is going to be important as well i i can think of placements that i had in my um student journey that i would happily replace with any of the things on that list and then there are other Mm. ones that i'd be if i can think of a a parallel universe in which some of my my best placements were replaced i'd be more concerned Mm. how are we going to manage the distribution of that in everyone's experiences
2: uh, We look very carefully at every student's individual uh, placement profile, so we look individually at each. We've just actually got some software that places the students for us historically. Myself and my colleagues have placed each individual. So we know what we have available to us, and we place that student according to their learning needs and according to the experience that they've had. So each student has a bespoke placement journey. We've got this software that, um, in place that can do some of the work for us, but it still needs some some human intervention to ensure that students get a, a balanced journey. So we will still be, you know, using our clinical knowledge, our, our knowledge of the students' journey, our academic acknowledge to ensure that students are getting a balanced range of placements um, across across those thousand hours that they will have experienced working for example in the face-to-face msk setting that will have had an inpatient placement in an acute hospital setting that they will have worked in the community and that they will have um, possibly uh, done one of these more innovative uh, types of placements um, and uh, we look at their their individual journeys to make sure that they have accrued both what we might. I mean, we're moving away from this concept of core skills, but we know that there are some core, core skills and knowledge that are fundamental to being a physiotherapist, you know, and we're guided by the standards of education uh, uh, education and training from the HCPC and um, standards from the Chartered Society of Physiotherapy. So I don't think we're looking to deviate into the unknown. Students will still be... Um, grounded in those um, traditional values and and skills and knowledge of physiotherapy but we recognize that healthcare is changing and we have to respond to that and prepare our students to be able to work in this
1: um ever-changing environment and just yeah. to, to to kind of elaborate on the example that Sophie gave with the the kind of supported living environments those students were kind of identifying potential frailty potential social isolation and they they were kind of being innovative in putting in services social things exercise activities for those um residents that hopefully will go on to prevent them from you know having that fall and that hip fracture that then might kind of lead them down a spiral of of needing more and more care so they're putting all of their knowledge and skills that they've learned Elsewhere into more of a preventative kind of environment, um, and we've done something similar with a local homeless charity in Manchester, trying to recognise why is it that homeless populations don't access traditional healthcare, and can we do something as a student population to start to kind of um, you know provide some support and some advice. Um, and some physio interventions to, to help a population that are vulnerable but don't access healthcare until they're really really sick um and and the students are, like so we said they get so much out of it and they really they really have to think deeply about the clinical and academic experience they've had so far to to develop almost the, these kind of services that, that don't exist. And I think it's like, it massively enhances their student experience. It's absolutely in no way um, an inferior type of, of placement, I wouldn't think. And, you know, the communication and the listening skills that you learn in a telephone conversation, you know, you have to really refine that. It's a lot more difficult, I think, in my limited experience of doing it from a face-to-face conversation with a patient
0: yeah, I know there's, there's certainly you know, there's certainly lots of uh, devil's advocacy underneath a lot of my questions there with regards to the inference of it being inferior. However, it is a concern that people have mainly because they will reflect on a difference between what they've yeah. experienced, especially when they've had a positive journey through their student time as well yeah. as their career. We see that occurring when people are sometimes carrying heavy judgment whether someone's done their rotations or not, something yeah. that comes from that projection yeah. of their own experience what i want to ask though is uh, and thank you to those that are dropping some comments in obviously this is more conversational i also notice that my signal's a bit ropey so apologies if i'm uh, if i'm dropping in and out at all for anyone but uh, a question i have for you both is i've got as ever, 101 different ideas of, of ways in which we could potentially offer provisions for, for students in face-to-face virtual project management. I've got many players spinning, of which I could maybe hands over to, to capable individuals, particularly if there was any centre selection for any of those. But mm-hmm. there is the challenge that um, to, to truly support them as you'd like to uh, to, 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 to improve their um pro the the learning experience and and direct it to more specifically to their learning needs the challenges that we would face in just management of that and what i would put on me and my team to do that sometimes makes people including me sort of tentative to do that especially because it would at least in the initial stages um, especially with the teething i think it would cost now you've got the opportunity that that the in time or done well i can imagine it would almost bolster a work get project round, and so Mm -hmm. I'm not meaning to take Mm -hmm. that answer away from you but I almost want to account for that in my question and say are there ways in which these things could be uh, remunerated or appropriately rewarded for people that are going to be innovative in that direction
2: um the i i can't promise you handsome sums of money jack for taking our students on placement you know but there are ways and means um that, that you can be we recognize we've had conversations with other private practitioners particularly that there is cost involved in stepping away from you managing your own patients and um and supervising um physiotherapists but um, student physiotherapists, but uh, for example, at our movement unit in Manchester, they have offset some of that by. Um, offering services at vastly reduced cost, so you can have an assessment with with one of our supervised student physiotherapists. There is a, a fee for that, but we recognise that we can offer that at a, a, a much a much less cost than it might be with one of our uh, qualified members of staff. I mean, there are ways and means, but um, I do we do recognise that there is uh, financial uh, implication. There is cost to taking a student particularly in private practice
0: because as, as an organization you are paid to educate those individuals right yes. through to a few different streams yes then as educa- as we would then be collaborate collaborative educators not just in terms of delivery but now we're talking about in design as well because i think that's one of the things that almost it was it was sort of part of the motions and 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 almost something that you grew up in in a department when you were working is that you'd seen it and experienced it as a student then you were experiencing it as a an observer then as an educator it became part of the culture this would take for us to not just deliver but design and co-design yeah. Now, that's the bit where I'm thinking that in time, although right now, of course, I'm not trying to put any sort of price tag on that. I'm just meaning that in time, if it was to be done properly, then me and my team would become integrated and overlapping with you and your teams. Yes. In such a way that I imagine that that would be an appropriate and fair distribution of funds to educate those individuals, wouldn't yeah. it? That I think it's more fair.
1: Yeah, we we yeah. have had this conversation because the place the cost of students being on placement isn't doesn't come from the university, correct me if I'm wrong Sophie. For not English right. students, it comes from Health Education England. It's not yes. the university. So, as a private provider and I I need to find out about how this works. But as a private provider, you can get those costs from Health Education England, but it can take I'm sure it can take quite a long time to re- to get those costs when you apply. And it's not probably the equivalent of what do you know what I mean. It's not. I don't, I don't think it's a lot of money. No. And then for international students, there might be a slightly mm. different part of money in a different way round that. So that is separate from the 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 money, the part of money at the university that pays us to educate students. It comes from a different. The the student placement costs come from somewhere different. Interestingly, though, I am um, was part of the Mbisa conference over the last two days and did some work on placements around the world. Um, And in Europe and in South Africa, obviously most of their healthcare is privately funded. So they've been moving all of their students into Mm -hmm. private practice because of the issues of going into kind of hospitals over there. Um, And they've kind of just offered services like the student you know somebody if if someone's paying for say they have six sessions or whatever or three sessions they can have an extra couple of sessions for free with the student so the student might be part of the clinician assessing and um treating on the insurance because they haven't got insurance for a student but then the student can carry on the care if the patient wants a few extra sessions for free and I know that's not ideal but it might be a little way around it The other thing that's quite interesting is having more than one student. So the students can have a a lot of peer support. So it almost takes the onus off the supervisor to be constantly supervising the student. They can at some point kind of supervise each other and peer support each other when you don't have time available to spend with them. Um, And, you know, potentially like a more experienced student could mentor a less experienced student at the same time if that sort of Makes sense. I know it's not ideal, but there's kind of ways of thinking around it a little well, bit. i think that can be quite
2: developmental for a student, though, can't it? To, to develop mm. another student, you know, that, that peer learning. And I think it's recognising as well that not every hour with the student has to be patient facing. You know, they can take time. out. They can actually help you, as we described with our student who did the remote placement, mm. in designing that placement themselves. You know, mm. how can they scope it out really? We recognise there are costs and there are streams of money, as Jane has said, from people, students choosing HE. But you know, the students can actually be instrumental themselves in, in co-producing those placements. I think
0: I think one of the things there is that. Um... It really, I can see several mechanisms in which it would be easier in time. Once you'd set the set the framework, you could almost yes. have projects that can be handed through Absolutely. to, and that the, more placements will only make more efficiency, and therefore yes. in time yeah. could also be the route to mm. which you are then bolstering, as I said, your project workforce within services as we get back to normal. Everyone's and also your own
2: service as well. Oh yeah, on, we're all bol- what you offer as a as a, as a provider.
0: And often innovative, oh, you know, innovative and that they're often thinking in that direction already within yeah. their own work can sometimes be great to bring fresh faces in. Now, you've, you've been appropriately persuasive uh, to me. I <laughs> hope you have to others. Many yeah. more people are tuning after the fact than live. I'm just going to bring up a couple of comments. A lovely one here from Gemma. She said, We need to help the future of our profession, or we won't have a profession to develop. Uh, in like, conclusion, of several yeah. comments she'd made there. Um, so thanks, Gemma. Um, others there that uh, are, less, are less decent, especially this one is a word of warning uh, in case we were to develop the, the future, the Jack Choose Future. That definitely concerns me. But, uh, no, I think you'd be a
2: great role model, Jack. Let's,
0: let's, uh, let's not pretend that would be a good idea. But thank you so much to both of you for your tim- uh, time. Sorry, We're going to wrap up now. Uh, just because of time. I try and keep to time just because uh, people like to accuse me of waffling. Uh, but yeah, I hope, uh, I hope that's been useful for all of you. We'll definitely be discussing this again and I might rope you into another conversation as things develop and when we've Please got do. more and more examples. Brilliant. So thank you so much for all that you're doing. Uh, if all, all going well, what we will have now is a flash of the outro graphic as we wave goodbye. And if that doesn't work, I do apologise. But thanks again and we'll speak to you soon. Thank
2: you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us i